It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome into Episode 4 of our Fall Series for 2022. This is Everything Under the Sun. It is so great to have you in. For a very special episode, because this week has been very special for AccuWeather. As we began the celebration of our 60th anniversary, serving people and businesses to keep them safe and weatherproof their life as much as possible. We'll talk to founder and CEO Joel Myers. We'll talk to Senior Vice President and um, COO Emeritus Evan Myers, and we'll get some of the Thoughts about where this industry has been and where it goes as we celebrate 60 years of service to the weather community here at AccuWeather. Sit back and relax, friends. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. I've said many times that there were two main passions and interests, two iconic organizations and brands that really drew my attention as I was young and getting ready to think about career fields one, Penn State Athletics and the communication about the Nittany Lions sports teams. And the other was the communication of weather. I mean, I was giving a weather forecast in my fourth grade class with a hand-drawn map that I would change every day. Back in fourth grade, that should tell you something. And a lot of that interest and knowledge even back in fourth grade was due to listening to AccuWeather meteorologists on WSBA in New York, KYW in Philadelphia, and uh, wherever else we could get them. When we were traveling around, we got savvy and knew that if we went to other cities, we could find the AccuWeather stations. You know, for six decades, this amazing team created by Dr. Joel Myers has worked tirelessly pursuing our mission of saving lives and protecting property, helping people and businesses make the best weather-impacted decisions using our proven superior accuracy. From humble beginnings to a world-class company rooted in a beautiful place, State College, Pennsylvania, it's an amazing story. And it is my pleasure to sit down with our founder and CEO, Dr. Joel N. Myers, to talk a little bit about the past 60 years. Joel, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's been a while since you've been on Everything Under the Sun, and uh, it's been a while since you started AccuWeather, 60 years ago. Seems like just yesterday. It doesn't it in some ways? Time flies. uh, It's amazing. You know, for me, it's special because I know you hate when I say this, but I've grown up with this company. I'm 56, mid-50s, right? We do it meteorologically, right? (laughs) Um, uh, So... I mean, no, but AccuWeather specific. So 56. 56. There you go. 56. This is my 25th year with the company officially. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. Time does fly. I would have guessed 22. (laughs) But if you look at at where AccuWeather came from a dream and an idea 
to being a world-class company in a beautiful space that we have and the impact that we have on people's lives and people's property and people's businesses. It's got to be very rewarding when you come to these anniversaries like 60 to think about that. Well, you're right. It causes me to reflect on the past and uh, how blessed I am because uh, we've been able to accomplish so much and contribute so much to society, to people, to business, and provide so many jobs, uh, worthwhile jobs, where other people have been able to contribute. And uh, I'm blessed in that regard because so many people, like yourself, 25 years, and we have people here that have spent their whole entire career mm-hmm. working at AccuWeather. They, they, I hired them right out of college. A number of them have retired now, spending their entire career. <laughs> and you're still going. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, in that aspect, um, when, you, when you bring people on, you brought me on, or the company brought me on, with knowing that I had a passion for weather, but I had a different skill set. My skill set was communication. But what I believe that AccuWeather has done well over these past six decades now is taking people who have a passion and affinity for weather and want to help and protect people and then have other skills and find the ways that they can do that, whether it's being a frontline forecaster or work in IT or, you know, work in communication. Well, you know, right? you know, what, what the most important characteristics in hiring anybody is uh, their motivation, their enthusiasm, you know, their added positive attitude, right. their willingness and desire to learn and progress and try to recognize that in people, support uh, those people and, and be almost family Taking pride in uh, a lot of people, myself included, crises in your lives, mm-hmm. get, helping people get through those, providing right. that kind of support behind the scenes. Uh, it, it's got to be a two-way street right. uh, between a company and uh, people that are giving their all to help make the company successful. and But also give people the opportunity or re, to reward, not only reward them monetarily, but importantly, by the satisfaction of doing a job that really contributes and helps people. Well, and part of that to me comes from the situation, the entrepreneurial spirit that you started the company with and you set down to us every day. I mean, that's the challenge from you is to have us look at our jobs, make the job better, make the product better, make the process better, and it's always through that that you're trying to make yourself better. So that entrepreneurial spirit, which some people have, some people don't, it's something that I think has served you well, and, and you try to pass that on through the, the, the well, way the company say, works, right? The culture of ice, uh, you know, innovation, creativity, and an entrepreneurial spirit, very, very important because the world uh, is changing faster than ever. Yes. Technology, you know, it's just acceleration upon acceleration. Do you and find it too fast now? No, it's you got to adjust to it. Right. You always be looking ahead. Sure, and and a lot of people can't. Uh, people don't deal well with change. That's part of what's going on in society today. Uh, you know, people like comfort and uh, constancy, uh, and those people who can deal with change mostly deal with linear change. But we're in a period of asymptotic, accelerating change, and uh, it's very upsetting. It's changing jobs and so on. But we got to. Companies that are going to survive the next 60 years, let alone the next five, are going to need to adjust and anticipate and move like never before. And they need everybody engaged, uh, whatever company it is. Uh, and, and we're just 
and it's being accelerated first by COVID and now importantly by the recession or hopefully not a depression that we're heading into. So uh, a lot of challenges, but you have to embrace those. So yes. you asked me if I thought the changes were occurring too quickly. It doesn't matter what I think. I have no control <laughs> right. over the changes, neither does anyone else. Surely, Either you embrace the environment you're in or you're left behind. You know, and in that environment, when you came into the scene wanting to create a private weather company, that, that was groundbreaking. We, we know that. And uh, a lot of resistance. You know, it's well, fascinating it, it, how what's happened. Uh, you know, the, a lot of resistance, not only people didn't want to pay, as you know. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of your story. Your question's yeah. probably, but, uh, <laughs> you know, 25,000 calls before I had 100 paying customers. But right. I was determined. So, no, no, rejection after rejection. You must be nuts. Uh, forecasts are free. Why should I pay you? Well, they're more accurate. They're more specific. They're detailed. I'm going to help save you money, whatever the case may be, to ski areas and utility companies and so on. But, uh, you know, I just had that passion and right. that uh, desire. But, the the government fought me too. Well, you know, right, they, they yeah. wanted to own the weather and a lot of and a lot of things and, and uh, even up through the eighties and nineties we were we were still uh, there were still even some, uh, even rain, to, right, to right. early you know two thousand three four the right. fair weather report which NOAA when they commissioned it thought it would confirm that uh, the overwhelming role for weather should be the government but actually after they did. An analysis, even though some of the people uh, who had that bias, I know some of them, uh, but once they visited AccuWeather and saw how competent we were and how we were ahead of the they're National too, Weather Service in many changed, years, right? it was a game changer. Yeah. They went, uh, and I just heard uh, from a famous television meteorologist from D.C. was on the commission. He told me just uh, the AMS meeting uh, this past summer, they were blown away when they came to AccuWeather. They had no idea. It was a game changer because what the government had been telling them wasn't true. And so it really, um, even though we were competing and and uh, superior in many ways, uh, it, there was a recognition then that, hey, the enterprise had to work together. Academia has a role. The government has a role. And AccuWeather and a few other private companies right. have a role. So and that's, that's – but it's amazing now for the 60th. Right. What's the the comp? So the head of the National Weather Service is, is coming. Is Ken coming. Graham, right? Very favorable comments. Yeah. The Secretary General for Weather for the uh, United Nations WMO, the right. World Meteorological, set a uh, tremendously uh, complimentary video for the. You know that would have been impossible three years ago, <laughs> right. five years ago. So great progress, which benefits all the people. All the public in the United States and the world get the benefit uh, of this uh, structure, this competition, but it's a it's a now a fair competition and a cooperation between the three sectors, academia, the government, and the private sector. Right, that three-legged stool that you've taught us so well here. Um, the, where I was going with that question, though, is, and, and it's great that we have that kind of buy-in now from those people, but you've made a lot of people mad, as you said, over the years with your innovation and change. Remember when we put 45 days out in a forecast? You thought the world was coming to an end. Let's, you know, that's so, so we were the first with the, the forecast the third day. When I started, the forecast was today, tonight, and tomorrow. We started for, from, radio. From the government, right? Yeah, and, from the and, government. And, and yeah. what was generally accepted out Correct. there. Correct. Right. No, good, good clarification. 
So we added the third, all our radio forecasts, and had the third day. It was right. revolutionary. Then we were the first with the five-day right. on television. And the seven-day said, oh, you can't do that. Ten-day, oh, you can't do that. Now everybody tries to do it, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Right. So we forecasted uh, hurricanes. Deviating from the national hurricane. Well, so. we're getting we're in that situation right now. We have stuff out about a situation that it really hasn't formed yet, but it's something our folks are seeing, and there's been a reaction. and And I told some of our younger folks out on the floor today, "Welcome to AccuWeather. This has been happening for sixty years." And what I think the philosophy is: we're not here to be deterministic every day because if we had to be that deterministic every day, we'd be flip flopping every day, right? The model one day says one thing, the model the next day says the next. Well, it's the AccuWeather philosophy, right? Right. You're right. right, it's, right. It's the, so it's the, the unique art and science of prediction that we have really refined. Yes. And uh, developed and can apply to a lot of things. A lot of this, that's in the communication of how we say it, too. It communication, right. the, the impact, stressing the impact. But it's more than that. It's like with New York City for the snowstorm, 8 to 12 inches this winter. We put an accumulation amount in before anybody else. And we held 8 to 12 inches because a lot of thought, a lot of effort, some mm. of the best forecasters yeah. in the world are I here. I was involved in that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you were. And that, that, was, that was a great example of the yeah. superiority of AccuWeather and why, why people trust the AccuWeather forecast. We put an accumulation amount before anybody else. And then for the four or five days leading up to the storm until it was over, we kept 8 to 12. We know that the final accumulation across the metropolitan area in New York City, Tri-State area, was 9 to 12 inches. But during that time, between when we put it in it's about and the storm five or ended, six days out, right? Which, right, right, five or six days out. Other forecasters had zero at times. Fox took it out completely. Then they put it back in. Other people had accumulations up to 18 inches. We held 8 to 12. That's how you build trust. And there's so many examples. Hurricane Ida in New York City, just one example. We said the rain would come in fast and furious. This is the most rain we ever predicted for New York City in 60 years. There's going to the risk of lethal flooding. We said all that before anybody else. This is what AccuWeather's philosophy is all about, the prediction philosophy, why our forecasts are the best, and we can take great pride in that because we help people stay out of harm's way. We help those people. You've helped the people that have come through these doors over 60 years. It's been a pleasure to work with you and continue to do that. And we look forward to the party as we begin the celebration this year of 60 years. I know you're proud of everybody that's contributed to that here at AccuWeather. Absolutely. That's what I said. It's, uh, I've been blessed not only by what we've been able to accomplish and my dream, which grew uh, over time, but so many people like yourself who have uh, embraced it, added to it, contribute to it daily and carry it forward and make a difference in the lives of so many people. That's really uh, uh, been a great legacy for me, and I'm so excited to celebrate 60 years with so many of you and so many other people who contribute daily to our success. We're excited, too. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Dean. Friends, we'll continue this special episode highlighting the 60th anniversary of AccuWeather with another perspective Evan Myers will join us up next to talk about this 60th anniversary of AccuWeather. We'll also be talking with Bill Dagger coming up at the end of the podcast, a brief segment about the weather for the upcoming week and the week beyond. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, Dean DeVore, as we continue on in our episode where we are celebrating AccuWeather's 60th anniversary. Great conversation with our founder, CEO, Joel Myers. And now we're bringing in um, a, a gentleman who saw AccuWeather be started from the very beginning as Joel's younger brother, our um, most formerly the former COO, Chief Operating Officer of AccuWeather, taking more of a little bit of a backseat role. But in our hearts, Evan Myers is the person, well, for me, he's the most tangible person because I think I spent more time working directly for Evan than just about anybody else in this uh, company. But, you know, Joel has his way of looking at how the company started. I kind of wanted to get your perspective as someone who was there when I'm sure as a youngster, he kept telling you all the ideas. Um, and then finally to see that come to fruition. And now here we are, Evan, 60 years later. And, and it's an it amazing can't be thing. That, it, it can't be that long. Well, no, I'm not that old. Right. Come you're on. only 57. So, That's, right, something had it's, to happen. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, well, thanks, Dean. Uh, certainly, I... I have stepped back a little bit, working part-time now instead yep. of 80 hours a week. It's, you know, like <laughs> 60, 40. Right. But uh, it, it, it feels good, and it feels great to be here, and it feels great to be celebrating 60 years. And, yes, I was there uh, at the very beginning uh, as, a, as a teenager or younger. Right. Uh, helping, uh, helping my brother Joel get things started, uh, his idea. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in Philadelphia, uh, I'm sure Joel talked about this a little bit, but... Uh, we had uh, all kinds of instrumentation uh, sticking out of different windows. We lived in a three-story house in Philadelphia, and from the roof, uh, we put up an anemometer. We had uh, yeah, rem- we, we really didn't talk about that aspect of it, but but from the from Jump Street, he was a weather geek. Absolutely, and, and he all made, the time. And he made your brother Barry and you weather geeks as well. Absolutely, people in around the neighborhood during snowstorms would see us. Big snowstorms <laughs> would see us trudging through the snow with a with a yardstick, <laughs> measuring the snow. And you have to measure in a couple different locations right, to know. get the right measurement. Absolutely, uh, no, no, folks realize that you have to do that. You have to estimate, you know, where it where the wind is. You have to you have to just figure it all out. It's not just okay. You stick the ruler <laughs> in, and that's that's the amount. You could skew your results. Yeah, it could do definitely it that do that. So. Uh, all this instrumentation on the roof of our house uh, and and around our house is something that people always recognized in our neighborhood growing up in the East Oak Lane section of Philadelphia. Right, and I think that's why 
AccuWeather resonates, certainly it resonated in the Northeast initially through its work with the TV stations and the radio stations, which is how I think most people that became AccuWeather babies like me were exposed to the great service through your voices, uh, you and Elliot and Dr. Joe, and even uh, Joel back then did radio work. I don't know if I don't know if Joel would get clearance on radio today just because of the way the thing is. He would as an expert, right? But you know, it's well, a whole it, different medium now, it, right? It, it it is, Dean, and and it's really interesting. Um, Joel did radio broadcast for probably close to ten years, maybe not that long, and it, and it's interesting the. The, the radio stations that he did broadcast for in the afternoon uh, during uh, the set late 70s and early 80s, I kind of slid into that same schedule of, of those right. same radio stations. Like I slid into Elliot and Dr. K- Joe's in the morning. Right? KYW, right. Uh, WBT out of Charlotte, WINS. WBBM in Chicago. And WBBM, right. WBZ. Yeah. All those stations that Joel broadcast for I slid into it. Now, I did them longer than he did. I right. did them in the 80s and the 90s right. and even into the OOs a little bit. So I, I did it longer. But it is interesting, as you said, when we first got started, uh, there was no standardization. There was no standard of uh, what what level of broadcasting you had to be. But as we at AccuWeather had more and more stations, dozens, then hundreds of stations, you had to kind of pass, the, pass the, the standard level, and we would have folks come and uh, rate the broadcasters uh, help us uh, train us and so right. on. So you had a you had to reach a, reach a certain standard. Uh, luckily, I can raise my hand and say I, <laughs> I made that. Have. I made that you standard. Said, well, we, we need you on the holidays coming up if you want to come back and, <laughs> and, that, and work a little. That's bit. that's one of the good things about right. working a little less, Dean. But thank you. But I mean, just the amazing thing to me, and and I didn't really get in this with Joel, but the difference in technology. Obviously, now you get a model a minute. Uh, back then, you were lucky to get one model every 12 hours, and, and they would come in painstakingly slow. You'd have to dial up a radar and get one image over a fax machine that would take you 10 minutes to see that, and it was already 10, 15 minutes old. Um, well, even before you were, even before that, there were things called the MDR plot. Ooh. And what you did was on the teletype, it would, it would give you a, a coordinate and a number, and the number equaled the intensity. And then you had a map, and you would plot that number in the corresponding so, so box you, it was like so a, you could look like at puzzle, the number. Right? You would just it get w- the plots, and then you'd have to still Absolutely. draw the map yourself. You had to draw stuff. the map. And, and as you said, uh, one of the things that uh, I always found to be extremely uh, helpful was when I came into work for the day, mm-hmm. did my did my, my shift, so to speak, mm-hmm. I would plot, hand plot a surface map that had the temperature, the the dew point, you know, the relative humidity, the the wind speed, the direction, the cloud cover, the barometric pressure, the barometric pressure. That became ten, the standard ten, for ten, the day. Tendency. Yeah. Well, I would do that, uh, and, and I got pretty good at doing it pretty fast. I developed the techniques of, of plotting the way you write from from left to right and so on because I waited for more data to come in and pl- so you could plot it faster. So in about forty minutes, I could plot the map, and then analyze it with isobars and, and, and cloud cover and precipitation sure. and so on. But it gave me a really tremendous feel for the weather yep. because I, as I plotted it, I could think in my brain like where where things were happening, where, where the storms were, where the fronts were, where the lines of thunderstorms were. Now, though, as you said, Dean, 
you know, for a while it was something you, you would enter in a code and press a button and then it printed out those maps. We don't even need to do that. No, no. they just print out instantaneously. No. Something that took 40 minutes or took an hour before takes seconds, not even, and milliseconds. Then, and then it was just crazy. I remember when I got here right as we were transitioning from the older building, which was in downtown State College, to the new global headquarters, which were here, except it's not new anymore. It's 25, 26 years old, because that's how long I've been here with the move. Um, but back then, you guys used to have to fight over the closet to get in and make a phone call, especially if the, you know, sometimes you didn't have the everything. Not only the information coming into you, but the way we had to deliver it, there were challenges to get through. And, and, and that's, to me... You know, some of the, the heroes of AccuWeather, the people that had to go through those challenges and still create a successful company that was getting the information out there that needed to get out there. Dean, it's funny. The first radio booth we had was actually a closet. <laughs> it was a, was a, had been an old clothes closet. And running up inside that closet were two pipes. There were two, you know, two, uh, one was a water pipe and probably the other one was a waste pipe. Right. The interesting thing was that I, I can't remember things sounding any better than they did in that class. <laughs> no. And some people said the, that, that the pipes, actually the metal helped resonate your voice <laughs> off of them so that you actually sounded better. I, that, you know, that sounds like an old tale, uh, well, you know. but that's how I remember things. And we had the old, the old mixers with oh, the yeah. dials the in them. Pots, and the oh. potentiometers. Absolutely, absolutely. They, they yeah. were, it was amazing. So I want to transition with you a little bit, too, about the people, because I know as you went on later in your career and you transitioned out of doing more operational stuff and you got into more executive, one of your areas was taking care of human resources and taking care of people. And I think we touched on this with Joel, but people are the story of AccuWeather. People have come here with tremendous amounts of knowledge and information. They've worked with Joel and the executive team over the years to to come together to to try to get the best information out as quickly as possible, the best way possible. We have been very blessed to have um, hundreds, thousands of dedicated people to work here over the years. And I know you're uh, even more close to that because of dealing with those people so closely over the years. Give me some of your thoughts on that whole subject. Well, Dean, it's kind of interesting. Um, th there are very few places that you work at where you can have a positive impact on the human condition. Mm. And AccuWeather is one of those places, one of those few places where the information we give out every day from warning people about hurricanes or blizzards or severe weather to just letting folks know if it's going to rain or not, whether their kids need to take an umbrella to school or a jacket or whatever. And we can positively impact that because of the information we give out. But, you, you know, we've been able to do that over the years by developing all kinds of technology, great technology, all kinds of processes, all kinds of procedures that allow us to minimize the errors that we, that, that any weather forecaster uh, might have because we're not perfect, we're humans. Right. We've done all those different things. But with all that said, if we didn't have great people, tremendous people who not only knew the sciences, as you just mentioned, who have tremendous expertise, but also understand that what they're doing does have that positive impact on the human condition. Understanding the impact it, it, of the weather onto it, people, it, right? Exactly. So if we didn't have those great people, all those processes and procedures and technology would count for nothing right. because 
The people are the thing that make it great. And as you said, we've had some unbelievable folks. One of the folks that worked here since retired said that, uh, you know, the heyday, and it's not just, uh, you know, I don't want to just think back to, uh, you know, back when I was 30 years old (laughs) and forecasting and walking, because there's great people here now. But they said that working for that person, working here was like being, it was the crucible of weather, was this was the highest place you could be and work and put all this stuff together and positively impact people. And when you think about it, it, it's like the 1927 Yankees. Some of the people that, that, and I'm not a big Yankees fan. I'm a Phillies fan, fan, so I'll compare it to maybe the the 2008 Phillies, Uh because I I was in the stands when the Phillies won that as an aside, (laughs) or or the 1980, because I was there too at that time. But, you know, the, 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 the folks that were here, Elliot Abrams, as you mentioned, Dr. Joe Sobel, Dan Kotlowski, some of those folks. Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald, who, you know, a legend in New England who came to work for AccuWeather a little bit later in his life, but, you know, helped us so much. Those folks... Uh, just amazing, and we have we have. The, the, I'm sure you can go through the list of folks that are out there now, well, right, on the floor doing those same things. Right. So it's just we've always set that standard of excellence uh, for folks coming in to uh, to to follow and put that put that together with the process, procedures, technology, and all the and, and our techniques and great people. And it's just it's a, it's it sounds trite and it also sounds a little arrogant, but it's an unbeatable team. When you look at forward, uh, put your clairvoyant hat on here. Hey, prediction is our game, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, um, what do you, how do you think this evolves? Um, sometimes I get um, kind of lost in, in some ways we have to be so deterministic uh, on, a, on a website to say whether we think it's going to rain or not six, seven days out. Other times, uh, you know, in other products you can do more of a, an AccuWeather style and be more probabilistic. Um, I think everybody now wants a yes or no answer to every question. That's the, the the feeling I get. And sometimes the weather won't allow us to give us yes or no answers. Well, some well that's see I think that's the beauty of AccuWeather. So if you're a if you're a, if you're a Star Trek fan, yeah. and I don't know if you are or oh, not, I but, am, yeah. but I am. But you know the prime directive was no interference with other life forms, except that was the prime directive. You shouldn't, except right. if you had to save them. Right. <laughs> you know, except. So, so that was the prime directive. You don't violate the prime directive unless you have to. Right. And so I think one of the great things about AccuWeather is that while there's the processes and procedures and the AccuWeather philosophy that I talked about, and, you know, maybe you only forecast, a, not only, you forecast a hurricane out seven days, which is a couple right. more days than, let's say, the National Hurricane right. Center. But if you know something, if even if it's not a yes or no answer, if you know something and you can indicate, well, even though we only go out to day seven, on day eight or nine, we think this might happen. There's a we potential. Get, we give it, that yeah. information yeah. because we don't have to. So our prime directive is our philosophy. At the same time, though, the real directive is get it right and let people know what you know. Don't withhold information. Give it in a way so that people understand what you're saying. But we don't. We what we need to do is get that information out there. And I think that has become our prime directive. And so to answer your question in that big roundabout way is while people want information farther out, they want more specifics, we're in a position where we can help people with that, with some of that information. And with context. Absolutely. And, and the context of how it's going to impact 
the likelihood of that going forward. I think that context is something that we have provided for decades and will continue, and I think will will also set us apart. Big celebration. We're recording this uh, on a Thursday. We're getting ready for our Thursday night celebration that kick it off. I know, Evan, you've been involved in that. This podcast will drop Friday, so we may be a little sleepy when this podcast drops <laughs> after partying all night. But <laughs> it's always great to have everybody that will come here, including, as we mentioned, Ken Graham, the head of the National Weather Service, uh, and also all the great uh, dignitaries. Um, that partnership between AccuWeather the private sector and uh, Penn State and, and, and the public sector uh, in, in education and then also in government. That partnership is strong, and we see it, and I know you're proud because you've been helping foster that for decades as well. You know, I can talk about all the great things, and I just did, about AccuWeather, and I'm sure other folks uh, have and will, but it really is a joint effort uh, from, as you just said, it's the rest of the private sector. There's been a lot of pi- there have been a lot of pioneers, not just folks at AccuWeather that have been out to the forefront. There's the National Weather Service. There's the there's the public sector. There's the World Meteorological Organization. There is all this information that's coming in. It's collected by countless unnamed folks all over the world that really uh, contribute to coming up with these great weather forecast. There's the research done at some of the great research universities in the world. One of them, we ha- we're fortunate, Dean, you and I, to have gone to Penn State. Yes, sir. One of the great uh, meteorological uh, universities in the world, but one of the great research. And it's, Penn State's not the only one. Right. A, so all this mixes together. So while um, we talk and tout AccuWeather, as we should, we need to talk about and tout all these other folks which we should as well, because uh, they're all, they've all contributed to where we are now, and they are all involved in, in farthering, furthering, if that's the right word, the human condition, and making sure that folks stay out of harm's way. Evan, thanks for all you've done uh, for me personally and for everyone here at AccuWeather over the years, and um, we're glad you're only semi-retired. And still- <laughs> My pleasure to be with you, Dean. It's great. Friends, when we come back, we're going to continue our episode here with the weather for the weekend and week beyond and wrap it up and preview our next segment. It's a joyous celebration of 60 years of service from AccuWeather to the world. We'll come back after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This is episode four of our fall series as we continue on our celebration of our 60th anniversary from AccuWeather. Uh, Great conversations with Dr. Joel Myers and Evan Myers Ahead of that, now taking a few minutes here at the end of the podcast, as we always do, to talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. And I'm joined by my fellow AccuWeather meteorologist, Bill Dagger, who um a little bit junior than me. You're a, you're in your teens now, right? For years. Uh, yeah, 12, coming up oh. on 12 and a half well, since I, uh, half I arrived. There you go. <laughs> Well, you know, and and you've seen you grew up in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania, an, an AccuWeather hotbed because of uh, its association with um, TV there, Channel sixty nine, and also radio WAEB. So, uh, you know, you grew up with this feeling of AccuWeather being part of your life from Jump Street, right? Absolutely, and I and I live close enough to Philadelphia that I heard 
KOW, and yeah, right. uh, that was another big, uh, you know, selling Influence. point to Channel uh, Six, right? Because Channel Six, uh, yeah, Ch- Allentown's kind of a tweener market, yeah. right? It has its own one station, but I mean, you can also, you know, the the New York singles signals come in there pretty well and stuff like that. So yeah, you can you get the best of like all worlds there. Yeah, you can uh, sample a little bit of each <laughs> of the the regional fair between New York, Allentown, and Philly. Yeah, when we were kids, uh, Bill, we were flipping back and forth. We always wanted to get the best information, and we tried to find the AccuWeather station. So, uh, good stuff, my friend, uh, Bill, and all the folks out front uh, in the in the big pool of AccuWeather. Uh, meteorologists who work tirelessly in some of the behind the scenes stuff um, really have been putting a lot of overtime because, you know, we have a little catchphrase in the office. The tropics are heating up and after <laughs> being on so, fire. Yeah. Well, right. After being dormant mm. for a couple of months, they just it was spontaneous combustion. So, you know, we've got a lot of I mean, I should throw a penalty flag here in football season for too many, uh, too many critters on the field here. Yeah, uh, the, the the first critter that's going to impact Atlantic Canada and have a big impact is Fiona. Um, as we dropped this on Friday, it had weakened by one category. Now it's back up to category four as we record this. This thing is going to slam into the very eastern part of Atlantic Canada with the western side of the storm. Right. So, I mean, there's going to be wind and rain impact, but honestly, it could have been a lot worse for that area, but it's still going to be bad. I mean, we're talking about the uh, AccuWeather real impact scale of three. And there's been some debate whether to go to four on that situation. Yeah, Atlantic Canada certainly will uh, bear the brunt of uh, the system after it moved out of Puerto Rico, brushed Bermuda, and it will make landfall as either a major hurricane or what's called a you know rainstorm post-tropical hurricane when it moves into Nova Scotia, New Finland, Labrador, parts of eastern Canada. We're talking about uh, perhaps the lowest pressure on record for that part of Canada and uh, plenty of impacts as far as rain and wind is concerned. This is a part of the world no, that's no stranger to strong storms, and this this will end up being one of the strongest they've seen. Yeah, and the, the, the only thing that, I mean, and, and I... You know, I'm living this firsthand because of family in Puerto Rico and how bad it has been with the rain and and still electricity. I mean, my parents in law live in right in the in the San Juan Metro, and they've had more power outage longer than in some of the situations they've had for for lesser storms already. So this is going to be a, an interesting situation. See how that uh, recovers. Uh, let's talk about the other critters on the field because there's some things that have potential. There's some things that we're just getting into, I don't know, can you, uh, you may know the best way to run all of this down here as <laughs> what we need to keep an eye on or just yeah. kind of gloss over each one a little bit. Yeah. And to go back to your football reference, when you look at the National Hurricane Center outlook with all the X's and arrows, it looks like a football play, but yeah, it does. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. We're, we're as of this taping tracking tropical depression nine in the Caribbean. Now, by the time you're listening, it may already be a storm. If it, is named before Tropical Depression 10, it will get the name Hermine, and uh, that will move into the Northwestern Caribbean and strengthen pretty rapidly later this weekend and early next week. And unfortunately, it does have its sights set on uh, the southeast, probably Florida, by the time we get into the early and middle part of next week. Once you get a tropical system into this part of the basin, there's only land for it to go through. There's no way out. And, you know, historically, I've seen, you know, sometimes those kinds of storms go straight west and hit the, the Central American coast. But, I mean, I think, you know, the way this just feels like it has a chance to run that gauntlet of the Yucatan and Cuba and then come up 
into the Gulf, which has been relatively undisturbed for a long time and has a lot of fuel in the Gulf. So if it comes together, this is not going to be good, Bill. And I think this is uh, why AccuWeather does these kinds of things is gives people uh, something to look at here over the next couple of days as we kind of try to sort out because this is like a it's like a dance, right? There's all these Mm -hmm. spins all over the place. There's going to be a spin over the middle of the country as we come back to the lower 48 here. Um, that's going to, I think, also kind of impact where some of this goes. Uh, so, yeah, these are things that I know some people, unless it's really bearing down on them, don't like to see a track. But I think this is in a scenario where we're giving some folks in an area some advance notice that there could be something coming down the pike here in a week or so. Yeah, certainly giving them ample heads up is a good thing. And I think we have done that over the past couple of days and we'll continue to this weekend and into the new week. Uh, But yeah, the way the pattern is set up right now, it favors this storm uh, staying in the central or eastern Gulf. So the western Florida Peninsula, Florida Panhandle, maybe as far west as New Orleans. We'll need to definitely keep an eye on this. It's not too often you have uh, significant storms uh, take a track uh, more to the northeast into the western part of the Florida Uh, peninsula but uh, that is looking increasingly likely as we head toward the early and middle part of the week so uh, definitely a time to be getting your preparations ready even if we don't have the exact track nailed down all right so some quick highlights for the weekend sweater weather for uh, parts of the northeast continuing here as we go through the next couple of days a disturbance coming through the great lakes uh we're seeing some rain as we drop this on friday st louis and that's going to extend over in the tennessee valley and those showers will slowly push their way to the East Coast. I think uh, like New York, Philly, and Boston, obviously today's about the wind and the chill, despite lots of sunshine. Tomorrow's a little less harsh. And then as you get into, or uh, Saturday's a little less harsh. Sunday, uh, likely to be a decent day for a time, although I think uh, showers will start pushing eastward towards the I-95 corridors. Some showers and thunderstorms down along the Gulf Coast. Some more monsoonal showers right along the uh, border of Arizona and Uh, New Mexico and up into southern Colorado, a lot of warm and dry out west, a lot of hot over Texas. That's where the heat and the warmth are bottled right now, Bill, out west and down in the south central plains down to Texas. Uh, Yeah, we'll try to make inroads into more of the plains as we head toward the second half of of the new week. But the the east, especially the northeast, looks like it stays below average. Uh, So we're getting that time of year where our average high temperatures are dropping pretty quickly Mm. in uh, in the northeast and the midwest. So by the time we're beyond this pattern of all these troughs moving in the next week or two, we're, you know, we're talking about high temperatures by that point, the early part of October average highs being in the mid sixties. So we're running out of time for this summer warmth. You're depressing me, Bill. I know. All right. Um, I, I, one thing we should say is that, um, you know, as, as refreshing and, 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 and windy and, and nice as it is feeling here, you're right. I think, uh, uh, as we go through the next couple of days, uh, folks in the Northeast appreciating this little breath of of, of uh, fall after we had some really nice weather to end summer with. But here we are. The reality is fall is on the way. Anything else you think you want to highlight there, Mr. Danger? Uh Yeah, you know, I, again, uh, the, the tropics has heated up pretty much right on time. That uh, middle and second part of uh, September is when you have your peak activity into October. And we still have till the end of November officially for hurricane season. So while we're uh, definitely enjoying that uh, cooler weather, the more uh, you know, crisp weather in the Northeast. Uh, you should be keeping an eye on the tropics there as well. With this pattern, with the troughs, it doesn't take much to get these systems to move up the coast or toward the eastern coast. So 
we will have to watch that over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. This is going to be a time, I think, that people, uh, especially east of the Mississippi, really need to lower the expectations about long stretches of good weather um, because we're going to be very unsettled. We're going to have a lot of things to look at and a lot of opportunities for even some days where you have a nice morning and then a really bad afternoon or opposite. Uh, it could be in that kind of scenario, too. So, Bill, thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon here on Everything Under the Sun. Thank you, Dean. And that'll do it for episode four of our fall series from Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. We're going to turn the calendar to October next weekend, and we are going to talk about the AccuWeather winter forecast that will be out. Paul Pastelock, our chief long-range forecaster, is coming into the studio to record with me about this upcoming winter. And there has been a lot of trepidation about this winter with some of the early calls and some of the long-range forecasts. We'll talk to Paul about that when we convene next week big thanks to joel myers evan myers bill dagger to our executive producers ken prowl and andrew robb to the hundreds of team members who work hard every day and certainly have been celebrating our 60th anniversary of service to the world i'm your host dean devore thanks for listening we'll talk next week about the winter ahead this is everything under the sun from accuweather.com Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.